Tonight we're going to continue in this series we've been in um, on spiritual warfare and deliverance. And um, so we're entering the last section of this series, which this series has felt like a marathon to me because we've, we've been taking breaks throughout it. So it's, it's 12 weeks total, but it's actually lasting way longer than that because we're taking breaks. And I, my spirit, I'm more of an entrepreneurial, pioneering personality, so I love to start things. But finishing things is maybe not so much my forte. Uh, so, you know, if I do a teaching series about two or three weeks in, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. So the Lord really has us sitting in this. And it's been, it's been really good, but it's also been like, man, I want to finish this. Finish strong. And so uh, we're entering the last section, the 401 section. And uh, I didn't even, you know, the Lord told me all this prophetically. I want you to do this 12-week series. And you know, three weeks, three sessions in each uh, section. And I didn't even know what they would all be. You know, he's kind of given to to me as I'm going. And uh, this past week, he really uh, clarified what he wanted the last section to be. And so uh, we're going to spend three messages, maybe, maybe tonight and the next two weeks in a row, if we finish it out, uh, unless the Lord interrupts, you know, with some other topic over the next few weeks. But um, the last, so we've learned a whole lot. If you followed along with this series, you've probably learned a whole lot about spiritual warfare. You've probably heard some things you never heard before. You've probably heard some challenging things. Um, I really hope that it's helped heighten your awareness to the, the, the warfare that's going on on a daily basis in our lives. I hope that it has helped you realize that so many of our, phys- of our mental, emotional, and even physical problems uh, very often have spiritual warfare uh, attached to them, if not at the root. Um, and, and when it, as I've said throughout the series, when it is a spiritual problem, um, getting medication, working out more, and eating better is not going to help you with that, all right? If it's a spiritual problem, if it's warfare on your life, you need to do warfare, right? You need to know how to triage that and get rid of that uh, in Jesus' name with the Lord's help. And so we talked a whole lot about that. Um, and the last section of this series, I feel like the Lord wants us to talk about, I'm calling it strategies or a strategy for ministering to people. Okay. And so I'm going to walk through tonight and over the next two weeks, we look at this, how you can take everything we've learned and, and help other people with it and minister to people. So I'm going to preach it and teach it in that context, but the best place to to practice is yourself. <laughs> so I'm kind of going to be using language when you pray with someone. And so that's prophetic because I'm believing that y'all are going to take everything we've learned and you're going to pray with your friends and family uh, through when, it, when they're struggling with spiritual warfare because now you've been equipped to help recognize it. When, you're, when your friends and family say certain things and you, you queue up and go, wait a second, you have a physical health problem and there's no known source and they've done all these tests and they can't figure it out and it keeps changing and it's different, that might be spiritual warfare, you know? Um, when, when, you, when they're suffering in, in other ways with depression or anxiety and, and, or they say something that comes from their lips and you know that's a word curse or you know that's a stronghold, it's like, man, you need to pray through that, right? And I really hope that the vast majority of you can take all of this and be able to pray with another person and help lead them to freedom, right? 
in the same way that so many churches do evangelism training, like the Roman road and how to lead somebody to salvation, right? Oh, you, you want to know Jesus? Oh, you believe. Oh, oh Lord, how do, I, how do I help them cross that line of faith? In that same way, I hope that you can take all this and, and learn how to pray with people. And it's really uh, not as difficult as, as you might think. And so we're going to talk through that. So I'm going to say it in that context. But here's the deal, too. As we're going through this over the next few weeks, I know the Lord's, I believe, going to bring up things in you that you need to pray through or maybe things you need more freedom from, more healing from. Um, and these, the way that we're going to, these techniques, so to speak, really ways to pray with people, uh, you can do yourself. And in fact, I, I do this every single week with people and I do it on myself every single week. And so uh, I really hope uh, that you can take this and, and use it. And so uh, tonight we're, we're, in, we're on 401. And what we're going to talk about, I've kind of broken out what I would call the three main ways or three main things that we do in a prayer session when we pray with somebody for deliverance and inner healing. And it is deliverance and inner healing. And there's overlap. And we'll talk about that, probably talk more about inner healing next week. Um, but there's three kind of main things that we do once we kind of we have an interview we hear their heart hear their story what they're struggling with and as they're sharing that we take the information we've learned in this series and we triage okay what is the issue what's going on here and once we feel like we know what that is what we need to pray through then there's three main things that I'm always thinking about how to pray through that and those three things are number one what I would call repenting and renouncing um, and it's important to have them do that or for you, if you're doing it, for you to do that. Uh, using your mouth to say words out loud to, to repent and to renounce either sin or trauma or abuse or strongholds or whatever or, or the devil, you know, if it's like, you know, one of those situations. Um, it's very, very important for you to use your words um, and we'll talk about that tonight. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Next week, we're going to talk about um, how to help people have an experience with Jesus. Um, and that's more inner healing stuff. Um, and I'll get way more into that next week. But this is, you know, really what I think what it is, is you, you invite Jesus into uh, traumatic memories at times uh, to invite him, the people to ask Jesus you ask Jesus where he was in that memory. God's with us all the time. God's omnipresent. So Jesus was there when that happened to you. So ask Jesus to show you, you know, um, where he was in that moment. And the Lord will talk way more about that, why that's powerful next week. Um, and it can also just look like um, asking uh, Jesus or asking Holy Spirit um, to give people a vision of who Jesus is and, and things like that. And that's really, really, really powerful. Um, and then... Uh, and how many of you know God said, uh, Jesus said, when he pours out the Spirit, uh, he's going to give dreams and visions. And so many times, um, what I just mentioned, you know, invite Jesus into, that, into this memory or whatever, you would be amazed some of the things people, like, oh my goodness, I, I see this in my mind, and, and they start saying what Jesus is doing, what he's saying. And what you've just done is you've you told them to pray and ask Jesus to give them a vision, and, and, he, and he does, which is just crazy. It's just awesome. And uh, it blows me away every time that, that it happens and, and to see the, the healing uh, that, uh, that the Lord brings. And we'll talk about why that's important next week. And then um, the third part is what I would call blessing and impartation. And, and so there's repenting and renouncing. 
There's, you know, what you might call inviting Holy Spirit to give an experience or vision uh, to bring healing to people's brains, memories, things like that. Uh, That's more inner healing. And then there's uh, blessing and impartation prayer. And it's really, really powerful. And we don't, when we do prayer sessions with our spiritual health team, we don't always do all of those things. We almost always do the repenting and renouncing, and we always do the blessing and impartation. And then this is just me. Uh, and then as needed, if the Lord leads to do some of the, uh, you know, inviting Holy Spirit to, to give an experience or, or a vision or something like that, that, we'll do that as needed. But I really, he's really been doing that more lately with me in particular in prayer sessions. And I've had some moments where uh, he's, I've went through that and he's spoken to me in, in, in some amazing ways through that. Um, and so we'll talk about, you know, how to do that and, um, and why each is important. Um, but tonight I want to talk about um, repenting and renouncing. And before we get in there and talk about it and why it's important. And this, I'm telling you guys, this is so important for your daily life. Your daily life. Not just if you're in a prayer, you're a pastor and you're in a prayer session and you're trying to help someone. I'm talking about your daily life. Any time that you feel like you might have given the enemy some ground or you might have, whoops, I think I just said something out of my mouth that was not of God, you know, and it was, oh, I just think I said a limiting belief, you know, I need to repent and I need to renounce that as a word curse over my life. I don't want that to limit, like I'm telling you, I use this all the time on myself every single day um, and it's so important uh, and I'll, I'll explain that, uh, why it's so important. So before we dive into that though, um, I want to talk about some etiquette and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how we do a prayer session and how I would lead a prayer session here with our spiritual health team. So if you ask for help, this, this is what you can expect. Those are like, um, and the reason I want to do that again is if you're ever in a position where a friend needs prayer, um, and it's an issue like a spiritual warfare issue, uh, you can know how to do that in a healthy, safe, calm, effective way. Um, and so I do want to say before we dive into this whole section, I'm personally deeply indebted to, I'll say, four different um, mentors in deliverance and inner healing. The first and foremost is Harold Oberschlake from Open Heaven Ministries. Uh, and you guys have heard me talk about them a whole lot. Many of you have probably been to some of their stuff. They're based out of Cincinnati. And they do everything we're talking about tonight. They do in their ministry. They, they taught us, trained us. Um, in how to do this and got us off and running. And I'm just deeply indebted to them. Pablo Batari, uh, his book, Free in Christ, and uh, just one of the foremost deliverance ministers probably in history. Um, he and his teams have uh, done deliverance on over a million people. And we're talking about severe demonization and severe manifestations. And he personally has overseen the deliverances of over uh, 30,000 people. Um, Pablo Batari uh, imparted and, and helped mentor and teach Harold Oberschlake from Open Heaven. So that's just super cool. Um, and then also Charles Kraft. Um, he's, got a, he's got several books, but one called Two Hours to Freedom, if you're interested in uh, this topic and how to pray for people. And he, he's got a little different model and techniques and, and uh, how to pray with people. And I'm just really, I've learned a whole lot from, from him. And then Terry Wardle from uh, Healing Care Ministries. And... Uh, he has several books out, and um, he calls it formational prayer, but it's more of that uh, visualization type of prayer, inviting the Lord to 
you know, show himself to you and those types of things. And so those four in particular, a lot, basically what we're going to go over the next three weeks is where I, where I learned these things from. Um, and so, yeah, if we were going to do a, a, a prayer session with someone, um, well, I'll say it this way. This is how we like to do it in our church. When, when you talk about inner healing and deliverance, um, and if you go online and Google that and get on YouTube and some of these movies coming out, you'll see what I would call, I, call, I don't know, the, I don't even know where I got this term. Maybe people call it this, maybe it's just me. But I call it a power encounter, right? When it's in public and someone manifests and it's like demonic and it's scary. And then usually, hopefully, an anointed man or woman of God is right there and they take charge over that situation. But then, I don't know if you all probably I'm realizing I'm weird and I sometimes in my free time go and watch some of these on YouTube and I think it's fun and interesting and I'm like you guys you guys know you watch these things right no not really anyways uh but it's like you know they manifest the man or woman of God is like in the name of Jesus be quiet in the name of Jesus you know and they take authority and they they get it out and whatever and that's cool that's great and if someone manifests majorly in public, you kind of have to do something, right? You have to, you have to take authority over that situation. Um, however, I don't feel like that's the best model to use for a lot of reasons. And the main reason is for the individual. And I've been to conferences where um, they're not even trying to do deliverance. They're more doing impartation or whatever. But if the devil's in there and you do bring Holy Spirit in, then the devil kind of freaks out. And so that's why you see people manifest during impartation times a lot. Anyways, so I've been to a few conferences where this happens and people kind of manifest. They didn't even know they had a demonic issue. And they come over and, you know, somebody in authority is like, in the name of Jesus, you know, submit, submit, submit. Okay, get them calmed down. All right, done. And like, they don't even deal, they don't even get deliverance. They don't even get them free. They just want them to calm down and not interrupt things, right? And that's what can happen a lot. Also, people, I've found that people who have issues usually have many issues. And they might be manifesting, you know, and you might be able to deal with that one spirit or thing in in public right there. and, And maybe even if you do deliverance, get them free. But man, they probably have a whole lot of other issues. They, they, they need some counsel on why that happened. There are people, I've prayed with people who that has happened to, and, and they didn't even know they had issues until they manifested in public. And, and it's super embarrassing for them, and they're scared, and they don't even know what's going on. And so what we have found, and we learned this from Open Heaven Ministries, but um, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. That you can say, hey, okay, you're having these issues. And, and when people, you know, I always kind of laugh when people have these issues like at home or by themselves or, or in their houses, like, like more of a severe demonic manifestation or presence in their house or whatever. And they're always like super freaked out, you know, and they will come here and then they'll be like, I hope you don't think I'm crazy, you know, and I'm like. I'm not going to think you're crazy. Yeah, you, can, you would not believe some things I've heard or seen. So go ahead. And they tell me, like, all right, well, cool. How about we meet on Tuesday, you know, at 3 o'clock, and we'll get together, and uh, we'll pray through that. And I think it freaks them out sometimes how calm I am, and I'm not worried about it, you know. But it really doesn't have to be scary. And so you get, you get into a room with someone. Um, you pray over the situation. You take authority calmly in a prayer before you even get started. And the Lord, I didn't used to do that at the beginning. 
and I saw a lot more manifestations. <laughs> and now I do that every time. And man, I just don't see as many manifestations now. And you can calmly deal with uh, the issues. You can bring healing to the people in a calm, orderly way and get them free um, without even major manifestations a lot of the time. And it's just really beautiful. Um, and you can really go deep and, and, uh, and help get to the root of the issues and help, and then help speak into their situation and bring uh, understanding for them of why they have these issues and why this is going on. And so, uh, when we set up a prayer session, um, yeah, I've kind of already talked through that. So if you had a prayer session with us, you come in and, uh, just to talk about some etiquette issues, uh, this is kind of what we talk about with our ministry team, our spiritual health team. Um, we're probably we're not just going to have one pastor, but we're probably going to have two uh, two team members uh, praying with you. One is kind of leading the session; the other is taking notes, discerning, interceding, praying. Um, you know, they can interject as well as needed. Um, but it's most most prayer sessions are not super crazy, right? They're not like um, major manifestations and all this. If you pray with your family and friends, you're probably not going to get into some major stuff most of the time. Um, so it's usually pretty calm, cool, and collected anyways. But the times that it is a little crazier or there's a little more major something going on, it's really good to have more than one person there. Also, when you're praying with really broken people, uh, who have a lot of brokenness in their lives, who maybe don't have Christian maturity, and they're being heavily influenced by demons, just, there can be a lot of deception. There can be a lack of character that they could try to, you know, uh, malign your character or bring slander or lying. And if you're with yourself just one-on-one, it's, it's he said, she said type of thing. And so uh, it's just really wise to always have a, a partner with you when you do this type of ministry. And I'm saying this so some of you, some of our ministry team, this happens to them. They have a friend or family go, I'm having issues. Can you come to my house? It's like, okay. So they, they're going to go. It's like, do not go alone, right? Take someone with you. And it's interesting, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, okay? And so it's, it, it also brings more faith and confidence into the picture. You know, if one person's having a bad day, you know, the other person can pick up the slack. And so there's a lot of benefits to it. And then also um, when we pray with people in our church, we always try to do men with men, women with women. Um, and at the very least, if it's a woman, we'll have at least one of those people, one of the two uh, prayer uh, counselors, be a, a woman. And if it's a man, we'll have at least one of them be a man. And so that's just kind of our checks and balances, but also the wisdom of, you know, a lot of times women have issues that um, women identify more with and vice versa. And so um, those are just some kind of etiquette, natural wisdom types of things that we employ um, to help avoid problems. Um, so once we're in that session, I always start with a, a very generic prayer. And I have to be really careful. This is a very purposeful prayer. It's the intro prayer, and I keep it very, very short and sweet. And I have to be careful, especially if I know the person and my heart's going out to them. I can start to get into the blessing and impartation and start wanting to prophesy over them in my prayer. And it's like, oh, Lord, just, oh, wait, 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 wait. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, in fact, if they have issues, if there's lies they're believing, if there's a demonic presence, that can block the impartation that you're wanting to bring. That can block the encouragement that you're wanting to prophesy into their lives. And so I have learned, like, don't, even if your heart starts going, ah, 
like, no, 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 no. That intro prayer, keep it about what it's for. And here's three things I always ask, and I say it very quickly, okay, very short and sweet. I always ask God to silence our flesh and every other voice so we can only hear his voice, and I bind any spirit that's not of God from manifesting during our time together. I just say it that simply. I ask the Holy Spirit, number two, to come and guide our conversation because we're going to have a conversation. And I ask the Holy Spirit to highlight things that maybe we didn't even realize could be root issues or parts of the problem. And then thirdly, I ask the Lord uh, to use the session and our time together to help bring the name of the person, so-and-so, greater freedom and healing in Jesus' name. So I think those things are really important, those three things. We want to bind anything that's not of God so that we can avoid some manifestations. We want to ask Holy Spirit to come and guide our conversation so that the real issues are revealed. And then um, ask the Lord to to help bring them greater healing and freedom. Of course, we want total, right? Uh, but... Uh, Ask him to bring greater healing and freedom in Jesus' name. And so we'll start with that prayer. And then we're going to dive into um, what I would call the interview. So interviewing is just going, hey, what's going on? What's the problem? What's, what are you dealing with? Why did you want to meet today? You know, And just letting them talk. And when we do prayer sessions, we schedule about two hours Honestly, a lot of times they go longer than that. But um, the, the actual praying is very short. It takes maybe 20 minutes, you know, maybe 30 minutes if there's a lot of blessing at the end. But it, the long part is having someone talk and just share what they're going through. And I just want to encourage you as believers, one of the greatest ways you can love someone is just list, by listening to them. You know, especially people who are going through major suffering, grief, pain, loss, and, and you think, oh, I'm going to go to that funeral, but I don't know what to say. It's like, don't say anything. Just say, I'm praying for you, and give them a hug. And if they start talking, just listen. Don't say anything. Just go, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my, I'm praying for you. Oh, my goodness, oh, my God, I'm praying for you. The book of Job, if you read that book, of course, God rebukes his three friends at the end. But it says when they come, his three friends come to comfort him. It says they sit in silence for seven days and they just weep with him. Whew. When you're going through it at that level, that is the best thing you can do. I'm just going to be there. The gift of presence, the gift of listening. When you just listen to someone, you give them their, your time. That is one of the most loving. It is an act of love to sit and just listen to someone pour out their heart. It's also healing for that person to talk. And it's healing in two ways. God talks about confession being healing. So just through them telling the story and confessing, a lot of times people will share things they've never shared with anyone, which is a sign they're not free from it yet. They're not healed of it yet. Whether it was a sin they've committed or a, a sin issue in their life, they're not free from that yet. If it was trauma, abuse, if they've never told anyone, they're not free enough to admit this happened to me. There's a lot of shame there. There's a lot of guilt there, right, uh, because of what happened to them. And so just you being in what, what some counselors would call an empathetic witness to just listen to them and they pour out their heart. A lot of times people get freedom just through confession. You, I've... You guys have heard me talk about uh, me 
myself, uh, my own story, when I was 21 years old, uh, I think it was 21, 22, somewhere in there, uh, God set me free from a stronghold of, of lust in my life, lustful thinking, uh, pornography, and things like that. And it was through just confessing to my wife. And as I confessed to her for about two hours, everything that I had struggled with, you know, for about 10 years of my life, you know, from the time I was going through puberty to up until then, um, I was lit. I knew like something is breaking off of me. I just felt this freedom, like, like I hate what I'm saying right now, but it feels so good to finally release this. And that God did a sovereign deliverance on me just through confession. And there, you know, you can ask our ministry team members, you know, Miss Ruth down here and, and many others. There are, there are prayer sessions we do where through the person confessing, they break down and they're just weeping and pouring it out. And you're sitting there thinking, you're free. I mean, we can pray, but you just got free just by getting it all out there. And so confession is so important. Um, and so the, the tool that God gives us as believers is just listening. Just listening. And so I just want to encourage you as friends, as friends of other people, uh, as believers, you know, if you know someone that's struggling, one of the best things you can do is call them up and say, hey, let's go out and just say, what's going on? And just let them pour it out. Let them vent to you. And when they're done, just be like, man, can I just pray for you? And you just pray. You're done. That's, and I'm just talking general ministry. I'm not talking dealing with spiritual warfare. I'm just talking loving somebody. You know, it's powerful. And so uh, we're going to start with that interview. Um, and we're going to ask them, you know, uh, like I said, what's going on? They're going to share a lot of things. Um, but we're really looking for the root keys to show us what is the root, what's really going on here. And sometimes, sometimes it's very obvious. And sometimes they come in and they're just, they're like, I was sexually abused when I was five years old. It's like, boom, like, let's go after that. Like very simple, right? Um, Sometimes you have to sift through a whole lot of someone's story to find what's really going on. And to, that's why, just like if you go to the doctor, you're having physical health symptoms. Like, you know, I'm, my heart's palpitating in weird ways and I have a fever sometimes. It's like, that could be a million different diseases or things. So they have to ask you a million questions to try to figure out what is this? What has caused this in your life? And sometimes it's the same thing. Like, like I said, sometimes it's very obvious, but sometimes it's harder to figure out why someone has been depressed, you know, since they, you know, were a kid or their whole life. And you, sometimes you just have to sift through a whole lot uh, to find those things. But as you're, as you're interviewing, as you're listening to them, you want to just pay attention and look for questions to ask that can help bring clarity to different uh, aspects of what they might be struggling with. Um, you obviously want to be looking for if there's sin issues, if there's trauma or abuse, um, or whatever the current problem is, if it's depression, anxiety, things. Okay, here's a great question to ask to clarify. When did that start in your life? Or how long have you had this in your life? A lot of people will be like, oh, my whole life. Okay, did you have it when you were like a kid, like five years old? Well, no, not five. Oh, Okay how long? You know, what about high school? Yep. What about junior high? Nope. So it started in high school. Yes. You know, a lot of people, they've never sat and thought deeply about why they have the struggles they have. They've never worked through it. They've never put language to it. A lot of men stereotypically can't even put language to feelings they're feeling. Are you feeling hurt, super depressed, or angry? 
And it's like, I don't know, I just feel horrible. <laughs> and and, and you got to help them sort through that because that will help clarify things. So, so what are they struggling with? What are the main issues? Another great question. When did it start? How long have you struggled with it? Very, I would say vast majority of the time, there's some type of traumatic incident that has happened that that is what, when that issue started, okay? Trauma and abuse can just mess with our brains, mess with our bodies. Uh, you know, our brains are woven into our souls and spirits, right? Uh, triune beings, but, but they're all kind of woven together. And so there can be physical um, problems because of trauma and abuse. Um, by the way, psychologists and, and uh, studies have been done that have, that have shown just through talking through traumatic events, it brings healing and integration into your brain. Because when you go through something traumatic, and I might be getting a little more into next week's, but your brain disintegrates, not disintegrates into nothing, but it disintegrates. So traumatic experiences, your brain will separate into left brain, right brain types of things. And that's to, it's so painful, it helps you be able to cope and move on and not be a total mess uh, but what happens is, as long as that stays disintegrated and separated, um, you're not healed from that. And that's why if something triggers you that is related to that abuse, panic attack, breakdown, right? Studies have been done that just talking through it, this is what happened to me, helps bring healing and helps reintegrate your brain. Okay? Now, that's in the physical we haven't even gotten to the spiritual. So again, confession, just talking through things is so powerful. Just being an empathetic witness, just listening to people. Um, and I, I want to encourage you when people are sharing with you. Uh, I like what Harold from Open Heaven says. He says, guard your face. Because sometimes they will say, shock, I did this or this was done to me. And you, you might be like, no, what? You know? That is not good, right? You don't want them to feel like uh, what they're sharing with you is, is shocking to you or affecting you. You just want to be calm, cool. Oh, okay, okay, all right. And, and just to be honest, by the way, I don't, I don't really have to guard my face. Um, I have to guard my heart from, like, weeping with the person sometimes. Um, but I've heard everything under the sun uh, in confessions and in prayer sessions. And so... Any type of crime or abuse or you could imagine, I've heard it. It doesn't shock me. Um, it's same weird spiritual experiences, demonic things. I've heard so much that it's, it's never going to shock me. It's, it's just, um, and I just want you to have that peace. And, and so many of our ministry team is the same way. But, and by the way, that's good parenting advice for your kids. When they share crazy things with you and you're thinking, well, you did what? You know, like, like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that. Because if you re- overreact and you react in anger, like, what? I told you I did that. Guess what? They shut down and next time something, do you know what, how crazy it is that your kids would come to you and tell you what they've done? They're seeking your help, right? So how much more should we be gracious um, if someone's coming to us? And so that's just good parenting advice. Like, oh, okay. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Let, let's deal with that, right? Um, and same thing when you're helping a friend, ministering to a friend, or whoever the Lord leads you to minister to. Um, so once they've shared, you're asking these questions to clarify. Um, I do want to share this. 
we're not when in our church and in a church setting, especially if you're you're not sure what the issues are, and you're trying to 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 clarify things for people. Um, at some point, and I don't want to intimidate you guys, but part once you're hearing their and as you're hearing their story, you're not just going to pray with them. You're going to speak into the situation. There's going to be some level of what we would call quote unquote pastoral counseling. And by the way. Well, I'm not a pastor. Well, I've never been to school for that. Well, guess what? I've never been to school for that. Do you know how I learned to do pastoral counseling? Sitting with people. I remember the first time I got asked as the associate pastor at my church in Michigan. I was like 24 years old. Can you imagine me as a 24-year-old and some like 40-something man's like, can I talk to you? Can we meet like one-on-one? I'm like, okay. And he confesses like struggle with pornography. And I'm sitting there going, I know how I got free of it, but I have no idea what I'm doing, right? What do I do? So how do you learn how to do pastoral counseling? How do you learn? By doing it. By doing it. And I'm telling you, just listening. And here's what I learned. The Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. The Holy Spirit gave me the questions to ask every time. And then the longer you do that, now I've been doing that for, goodness gracious, 15, 17 years, something like that. And it's like, then you learn, you learn a whole lot more as, as you're going through that and as you do it more and more. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. He is the counselor. He is our counselor. And I am so grateful for counseling professions, but I think they would not be necessary if the church would rise up and confess our sins to one another and pray for one another and hear one another and counsel one another. You know, the Apostle Paul rebukes the church in Corinth because they were suing each other. And he's like, don't you have some wise believers among you that can help you sort out this lawsuit thing? Like, and his point was, we have the spirit of God in us. Right? And we're, you're, we're, your church family's not wise enough to help you figure that out? You got to go to a lawyer? And his point was not to put down the law profession. He's saying, we have the spirit of the living God inside of us. And God knows, man, I've been in prayer sessions where I have no idea what to do. And Holy Spirit just downloads, tell them this. And you're just like, whoa, ask them this question. Whoa. Prophetically, the Holy Spirit goes, they haven't talked about this, but this is the problem. Ask them about their relationship with their mother. And you're just like, oh, boy, what is happening right now? And you tell me about your mom. You know, it's like, oh, think we found it. Right. And so we have the Holy Spirit. And so many of you, if you've been walking with Jesus a, a while, man, you, you are way more able to do this than you realize that you are. And uh, so sitting, listening, and then when I say pastoral counseling, it's speaking into their situation. It's helping them know some of the things that you've learned throughout this series. And what I mean by that is you, you need to explain to people to bring understanding Right. So let's say there's a lie they're believing that's causing them to be depressed. Right. You need to speak truth to that. You have to speak the truth. Right. You can't just be like, well, let's pray. Right. You have to speak the truth into that lie, that area that they're believing that lie. Um, I like, uh, there's a teaching by John Eldridge. He calls it the four streams, and it's really good. Um, But he basically talks about there's four types of ministry that we bring to people in pastoral counseling. 
And he says, one is walking with God. That's spiritual disciplines, discipleship. Sometimes people have spiritual warfare issues because they're not walking with Jesus. They're not, they're not spending time in his presence. And that's the main issue. And so they feel oppressed all the time, but it's because they're not connecting with the word and they're not praying, right? And so we, I can pray for you all day long, but it's not going to help you if you don't learn to walk in the daily disciplines, right? Uh, second thing he says is counsel. Like, and that's pastoral counsel, speaking the truth of God's word, God's word, not telling people what to do, you know, like, well, I have this decision, what do I do? No, 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 we're not giving advice, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm speaking God's truth to how you're feeling, I'm speaking God's truth to this situation, I'm saying you do need to repent of that, that you need to forgive, you know, like, that type of counsel. Uh, three, he says, is spiritual warfare. Like, and that's what we would call deliverance prayer. And then he says, for deep healing or restoration. Okay? And so um, that's what I would call inner healing. Uh, and, and so we'll talk more about that next week. Um, and so as you're walking through this, you're, you're bringing pastoral counseling. You're speaking into situations. Um, Yes, I do want to say this, your goal and our goal when we meet with someone is not to get them to pray through something. And I I will confess, when I first started out doing deliverance and inner healing, I really felt that way a lot of times. Like, because I would talk to someone and they would tell me about something they went through and I would be like, oh, that's spiritual, that's that's the devil, it's spiritual warfare. If If we can just pray through that, um, then, then I can help get you free, you know, if you'll just be willing to pray. Through. And so I, I would, I would have that bent like, man, I really hope they're want, wanting to pray. And I would really encourage them strongly. Like, let's pray through that. Right. And really what I've learned is they're also, it, the person has to want it. They has to, they have to want freedom. They have to want to pray through their issues. They have a lot of issues involve repentance. They have to want to repent. And not just pray for me right, and yeah, I'm sorry now, and pray for me so that I feel better right now, but tomorrow I'm going to go right back to the habits in my life that brought this issue in the, in the first place. It's not going to work. And so they have to want Jesus. And so this is, uh, I'll say it this way, your goal is not to get them to pray through stuff and get free. Your goal is to give them the opportunity to get free if they want to. And sometimes you talk through everything and right before we pray, I'll explain to them, I think we need to pray through these things and I think we need to do it this way and I'm going to have you repeat after me and re- renounce, which I'll explain in a minute. Do you agree with that? I think you need to pray to forgive your dad. Do you, do you agree with that? Because I don't want to just say, hey, repeat after me and they're just blindly repeating and they're not really realizing what they're doing because it won't be as effective. So if you explain, here's why I think you need to pray that. Do you agree with that? And sometimes, let's just use that example. Dad abused them when they were young. You need to pray through that. And, and by the way, not just renouncing the trauma and all that, the abuse and all that happened to you, but pray to forgive him. Pray to forgive him. Do you agree with that? I can't forgive him. It's like, okay. Well, why don't you pray about that for a week, and we could set up another time if you want. And I'll just pray for you before we leave. But I'm not going to pray with you through this situation. Because to be free of this, you have to be willing to 
to forgive him. And of course, you know, as, as necessary, speak scripture to that. You know, Jesus tells us to forgive everyone. Um, forgiveness is not saying it's right. Forgiveness is not saying you have to be in a relationship with him. But you need, it's letting it go. It's not, it, I personally will not hold this against him. And I'm going to give it to God. And the truth is God's judgment on someone for something like that will be much more severe than anything a person could bring if the person never repents. So, of course, you want to pray they repent and come to faith in Jesus. But if they don't, God will take care of it. God will. He says it is mine to avenge and he will. Right. And so we can trust him with that. But people have to want to do it. Okay. so when we get once we know what the issues are. We've spoken into them, and we're like, we're going to pray through these things in this way. Um, We are going to lead people to repent of any sin um, or any ways they've participated with the enemy. And then they're going to renounce uh, whatever the issues are. To renounce means to say, I don't agree with this, and I don't want it in my life. But you are saying that. Here is why you saying it with your mouth is so important. Our words are so incredibly powerful. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus said that you should not swear on heaven or earth on anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, because anything else comes from the evil one, right? How many of you know, though, according to Jesus and according to God's word, if you say yes... You've just made a commitment. So if you say yes and you do no, you've broken a promise. You've broken your word. You guys know that? So here's what I'm saying. Your words, just the words you say, are binding agreements in the spiritual realm. When you say a word, it is like a contract that you just signed in the spiritual realm. It is that strong. We take our words so carelessly. We say things so flippantly. The devil takes it very seriously. And God will let him use our words against us because God set it up this way. Because God tells us how powerful and how serious our words are. And if we don't pay attention to God's word and how serious it is, and we're flippant with our words... According to the spiritual laws God set up, the enemy has permission to mess with us. So when you say things that are word curses against your life, and when I say cursing, I'm not saying filthy, coarse language. Coarse language. Like, you know, the, the words you don't want your kids saying. Yeah, don't do that. I'm saying the spirit with which you say those words is a lot more important. And you can say a lot nicer words that aren't, don't have four letters with the same spirit of hatred or the same spirit of negativity. And, and you will make binding agreements with demons and you will empower them in your life. So in other words, if you say it this way, um, if let's use, um, self, self-hatred because that's probably the number one way people word curse uh, in general. You speak against yourself. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm stupid. I'm the worst. Right? Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm never, 
I'm never gonna, this is never gonna, this is never gonna change. I'll always be this way. It's too late. Who cares? Whatever. Word curse, word curse, word curse, word curse, word curse. Those ideas are coming from somewhere and they're not coming from the Spirit of God. They're coming from demonic spirits who are wanting you to despair and to live in despair, hopelessness, regret, so that you don't live free, so that you're not a shining light for the Lord Jesus in the world. And so when traumatic things happen to you, he wants you to feel like it's your fault. He wants you to feel like you're not loved. He wants you to, well, nobody gives a crap anyways. Nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. Word curse, word curse, word curse. How's that a word curse? God cares about you. God says he's with you. Those are literal lies. Guys, I've said some of those at several times, unfortunately, <laughs> in hard seasons of my life. Oh, nobody cares about this. Nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Jesus died on the cross for me. Not true. I just That's a demonic lie to make me despair and feel like crap and to just... That's where a spirit of depression will come on you and hold you down. And unless and until you realize, oh, it's because I said nobody cares. I, I literally signed a con, I agreed with that demon, signed a binding agreement with my own word, and now he has permission to spirit of depression on me. Until I wake up and go, oh, crap, I said a lot of negative things yesterday. No wonder I woke up feeling under the devil's hand, because I am. So in the name of Jesus, I repent. Lord, please forgive me for saying no one cares about me. You care about me. You die on the cross for me. Forgive me for saying that I'm all alone. I'm not all alone. You're with me. You were for me. And so forgive me for that, Lord, first and foremost. But second of all, by my authority in Jesus, because I know you forgive me, because I know I have grace, and because I know I have Holy Spirit, and I know that's not true, I renounce those word curses when I said this and this, and I make it null and void by the blood of Jesus so it no longer has any effect on me, and I command any demonic spirit of depression or discouragement to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Wow, all of a sudden I feel so much better. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says test the spirits. And man, I'm just telling you, as a pastor who... Oh, you're a leader. You got a target. Yes, yes, yes. You're under oppression a lot more. So I'm a great guinea pig for like what is spiritual warfare and what is just normal emotions. And I'm telling you, I feel under the hand of the enemy so often in my life. And I'll trace it to negative words I've spoken about myself or about a situation. And I didn't realize it. And then I repent and I renounce and I pray through it. And that feeling, it just like a blanket comes off. This has happened to me dozens and dozens of times over the last seven, eight years of my life that I've been living in this and had this knowledge and had these tools to do warfare in my own life. Um, Because I know what I know and I've experienced what I've experienced, um, the holy fear of God on me, uh, I have the holy fear of God on me for how I talk to my children. I'm extremely careful how I talk to my children. And the Lord showed me one time that you can say your child's name as a word curse with the spirit that you use. So I'm going to pick a name that's not one of my kids and give you an example. 
I'll use, um, man, now I feel bad that I might pick one of your names. Pumpernickel. We'll say that. That's pretty safe. <laughs> I got in trouble sometimes, guys, just picking random names out of a hat. And somebody's like, you were talking about me. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I didn't even know it was you. <laughs> right? So I'm just going to, Pumpernickel's pretty safe, I think. I can't use that one. That's just stupid. Beetlejuice. I'm not using that one either. Sorry. Cat. Anybody named Cat in the room tonight? Okay. If if you know someone, I'm not talking about them. Let's say your kid's name was Cat. Man, that's weird too. That's gonna mess with me. That's an animal. Anyways. So Keith, whatever. She's somebody's. Uh, the, tr- the train is getting off the tracks right now. <laughs> Ruth. Ruth is going to let me use her name. Thank you, Ruth. For Let's say your child's name is Ruth. You know, let's say your child, Ruth, is always doing things that annoy you or disobeying you or whatever. And then, and how many of you know kids have patterns of they'll do the certain thing again and again and again, right? And you can get frustrated. You've told them a million times, and then they do it again. And you go, oh. Ruth, Ruth, if you just say your child's name in a shaming way, you're putting shame on them. And how debilitating is it when you use their name, when they start to associate their very name, which is their identity, with shame, with The tone of your voice is saying, you annoy me so much. I'm so frustrated with you. You're an idiot. This is what the tone of your voice is saying. When you say their name out of frustration. And I'm just telling you, the Lord put his holy fear in me for that. Because knowing what I know now, I, I live in holy fear in my parenthood of like, I do not want my kids to have to have prayer sessions when they grow up. And so I'm like, man, I'm doing my best. But you can, word, you can word curse through the spirit with which you communicate something. You can tell somebody the truth. Oh, I told them the truth. But the spirit you had was hatred in your heart. So you were word cursing them. And here's the deal. That could affect them negatively. That's probably going to affect you negatively. Until you pray to break the spirit of, of hatred that you had or resentment that you had for that person for whatever reason. And so our words are powerful. Our words are binding agreements. Listen to what the Lord says in Matthew 12. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Another translation says every careless word you speak, you will have to give an account. And listen to what he says. For, your, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. How many of your kids have like, you've said like, yeah, well, yeah, this weekend we can go to the lake. And then something comes up, you can't go to the lake. And they're like, you said, you said, you said. And you're just like, dang it, I did say, but sorry, we're not doing it, right? They hold you to your word. The Lord says on judgment day, by your words, your words, you'll be acquitted. 
and by your words, you'll be condemned. How is that? I thought we're only acquitted by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, was there ever a time where you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior with your words? It is with your mouth you confess and you're saved, Scripture says. You said, I need Jesus. And by your words, you will be acquitted. But by your words, you'll also be condemned. If you speak unforgiveness, if you at times go, oh, I don't need Jesus. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh. So our words are very powerful. By your words, you're acquitted. By your words, you're condemned. When you speak word curses, the devil goes, I'll take you up on that. And he jumps in and he'll start messing with you every time. Every time. Every time. Every single time. I think we're completely unaware of how many demons there are and how long they've been here. And the fact, they have nothing else to do but to oppress us. That's, their, that's all they do. We have lives. We have lives. <laughs> right? We're not always thinking about them. We're loving God, but we're out doing our lives. We're working. We're putting food on the table. Demons don't have lives. They're trolls. You want to talk about internet, people trolling you? They're trolls. They just troll you all day and they wait for you to mess up and then they jump, they wait in the wings and then they jump into a press. Man, I'm telling you, every time you speak something that's not of the Lord, the devil's going to use that against you. And it can be a hold over your life or over the lives of your family or over your kids. If you've ever word cursed your spouse or your kids, you need to not only say you're sorry, you need to pray through it and pray to renounce those word curses you spoke when you said this, and I'm sorry, and I renounce that, and I make it null and void by the Lord Jesus. What are you saying? I don't mean that. I said it in anger, or I said it in frustration, or whatever, but I do not mean it. I don't agree with it. I renounce it by the blood of Jesus, and I make it null and void. So any demonic spirit that's using that against me and is allowed, using that as an open door to mess with my life, you're not allowed anymore. You got to get out. And I'm just telling you, it's, it's really, really, really powerful uh, to pray that way. So our words are powerful. Confession's powerful. You know, confession is someone saying it is a form of renouncing. It's like, I did this. I don't want to do this anymore. That's why I'm talking about it. That's why I'm confessing it. Um, if people have dabbled in witchcraft, a lot of times they'll burn the items, you know, tarot cards or whatever. Destroying witchcraft items is a form of renouncing. And so, um, but using your words is very, very important and very, very powerful. Um, so people need to repent. They need to renounce. So when we pray with people and when, if you pray with a friend in this way, it's important to lead them to pray, and most people don't know how, so you say, just repeat after me, and then you lead them in the prayer. And, uh, but it's important to have them do it because of spiritual authority, which we talked about on week three of this series. If they're a believer in Jesus, they have Holy Spirit in them, they have spiritual authority. So in other words, let's say I'm praying for you. I can pray for you, and I could make the devil leave you alone right then and there for that day. But then you go back home, and you're by yourself, I'm not there, and he comes right back, and he's messing with you. But if you take your stand in your spiritual authority, and if you use your words, because by the way, I can pray for you, but I didn't make the binding agreements. It's not my life. 
I didn't have authority to bind or loose over your life. You have that authority over your life. So if you've done some binding over your life with the enemy, and he's is like, I can renounce all day long, but if you're still agreeing with the enemy, your, your personal authority is allowing, is keeping that in your life. It's holding on to it while my spiritual authority is coming against it, but it, God respects individual authority. So this is also why you want to interview and you want to make sure that the person wants free and, and all that. Um, and believe it or not, some people don't want free. Some people don't want free, believe it or not. They don't want to give up a lifestyle. They don't want to give up a habit. They, don't, they just want the symptoms, negative symptoms to go away, but they don't want to give up the stuff. And that's, again, why we always say, you need Jesus. Jesus is the one that will set you free. I'm a minister of his, and I'll help facilitate this process, you know. But you need Jesus. And so if they're not willing to walk with Jesus or be with Jesus, there's not a whole lot you can do with, for them. And Jesus even said um, that if, you, if an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places looking for to rest, and then it gets seven others like it, and they come back to the house that was slept clean, the person, and they go back in, and the condition of the person is worse at the end than it was at the beginning. And that's what happens to someone that wants freedom, but they don't want Jesus. It's like... We could make that leave, but then you're going to fall right back in, and they're going to be mad because they had to leave. They got evicted for like a day or two or a week or however long. Then they're going to come back with some of their friends, and you're going to be worse off because you got to get filled with Jesus, and it's the presence of Jesus in you that will keep them away. Okay? And so anyways, so you're, you're interviewing. You go to pray. You lead them to use their spiritual authority. And by the way, I think it's super helpful to explain that to people. Here's why uh, I'm going to lead you to pray to repeat after me. You have spiritual authority. And so I think it's really helpful, church, if, if you would want to be used by the Lord in this way, and I think you should want to be used, and I think you're getting equipped right now, um, and I think the danger of us doing this just on a weekend service is you're like, man, I didn't ask for that. I didn't show up for that. I'm just showing up for church, man. I'm not, I'm not looking to pray for people. You know, I'm just coming to church, man. Whereas if we did it as a standalone, there's a training for spiritual warfare, then everybody who comes that wants to get trained. That's great. But I'm telling you, this is just how the Lord's led us to do it. That's why we're doing it this way. But every believer, I think, should want to be equipped and to know how to do this. And so I really hope you take advantage of this. But uh, what was I saying? So as you're praying for them, leading them, oh, you need to develop your elevator pitch. And this is part of the what I was saying, the pastoral counseling. And what do I mean by the elevator pitch? Do you guys, business people, know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here? You have a business and you're trying to sell something and uh, you know, you, you've studied it your whole life and you, you're passionate about it. Um, the customer doesn't care. You need to be able to tell them about 30 seconds what you're doing and what you're trying to sell them and all this, right? So the elevator pitch for this is take, we've done, let's see here, three, six, nine, nine teachings on spiritual warfare and deliverance. They've been at least an hour-long sermon, some of them an hour and a half. So we've got at least 9 to 12, 15 hours of content here that you need to boil down to about one to two minutes to explain to people. And explain it in a way that, you know, a fifth grader could understand. Put it, you don't have to use big theological terms, just put it very simply. And so when I speak to people, 
I'll be like, well, actually, and I've had to go this far back with some people. Well, um, demons are real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just so depressed and I just can't understand why. I'm like, and this is a Christian person. I'm like, well, this is spiritual warfare. And they're kind of like, okay, well, anyways, you know, I'm like, well, this is a spiritual matter. Okay. (laughs) Demons are real. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is actually, I think, a demon's presence in your life that's affecting you this way. But that's no big deal, you know. (laughs) We can pray through it, and you can get free of it, you know. And so I'm going to lead you to to repent and renounce on some things because I think these are the issues, and this allowed this in your life. Uh, We really find, and here's my elevator pitch. We really find that people can have these issues either because of sin that they've done or sin done to them, wounds they have. A wound is defined as, you know, something that's, you received, you shouldn't have received, like abuse, or something you didn't receive, you should have received, like neglect. And uh, these are uh, wounds or sins in our lives where demons can get footholds or strongholds in our lives, and they can oppress you. And yes, this can even happen to, to Christian people. I'm not saying you're fully possessed by a demon. I'm saying you've got warfare and oppression in your life, but that's okay. If you repent and renounce uh, of you know the sins you've done, or if the issue is uh, tra- trauma, abuse done to you, if you just renounce that, pray through that, um, and pray to forgive the people who've done the harm to you, um, and then we just pray to renounce the demonic forces, and they leave, and you actually get free, and you, and it actually can uh, bring healing to your life. Does that make sense? Do you want to do that? Nine times out of ten, ninety-nine out of a hundred, people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that, right? Okay, I'm going to lead you to repeat after me. I'm going to lead you to say, I, in the name of Jesus, I renounce. Renounce means I don't agree with it. I don't want it in my life anymore. And it's important because you have spiritual authority, and I can pray for you, and the demon leaves right now, but tomorrow you're by yourself, and it's your life, so he's going to come right back. So you really need to stand because the Bible says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to say repeat after me. Okay, is that all right? Okay, cool. There it is. Like, you've just summed up a whole lot of things we've talked about uh, in a very simple way. Now let's pray. And so if the person agrees, yeah, I'm willing, yeah, let's do this, um, Then you lead them through the prayer. Um, Like I said, you lead them to repent of things they need to repent of. It's very simple. You know, it's, oh, Lord, I repent of this. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I repent of committing this sin. Or I repent of, you know, holding this against you. I repent of this lie I've been believing. Okay. Now, in the name of Jesus, I renounce this thing that happened to me. I renounce, you know, spirit of rejection that came into my life when, you know, this horrible thing happened to me. Uh, I renounce these word curses that were spoken over me my whole life by my parent. You know, I renounce this. You know, just very simple. I take back all authority I ever submitted to the enemy in that. Um, Or you could say I break all participation agreement with with that hold on my life, with those bindings on my life. And, uh, And that's pretty much it. That's it. It's that simple. You pray through those things. And then you, as the uh, person of authority who's helping them, then you pray and you break any bindings or attachments on their lives of the enemy related to those issues. So I break whatever you prayed through. I break the bindings of depression or anger or, you know, whatever on their lives. And I command any spirit of fill in the blank to leave now in Jesus' name. And you just, a lot of people we pray through have a whole list of issues, whole list of strongholds. And we just go through it one by one, very methodical. Um, Pablo Batari talks about in his book, uh, Free in Christ, praying with people. He talks about pray through every single issue because if you don't pray through every single thing, that could be another 
way the enemy could get back in even if the enemy leaves for the time being. And he tells a story of one lady that was very involved in like the occult practice of, uh, I think it's called like mind control or something, but she went super deep into it. it it's kind of under the guise of like you can control your thoughts and all this in a like new agey kind of way. But then it goes into, oh, but you can project your spirit and you can help other people in the spiritual realm. And it like astral projection, like super, super really deep occult stuff that's really presented as, oh, brain power, you know. <laughs> and uh, And so this lady got super into it and she was doing this and she not only encountered a lot of people um, through astral projection and her mind and spirit and everything, but she encountered a lot of demonic entities, uh, different kinds of entities, and that were her guides and helping her and all this stuff, doing all this. And she did this for several years. And then she eventually realizes this isn't good. She comes to faith in Jesus. She has a whole lot of problems in her life that are demonic in nature. So Paulo Batari is praying with her. And he said, we need to renounce... Every interaction that you've had with any entity, if you, as you can remember, any of these spiritual entities, and we need to renounce any person that you went to and you were like doing things in their life or, you know, whatever you were doing. And she goes, okay, well, I did this for a while and there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of entities. They're like, all right. He said in his book, he met with this lady over a period of 15 days in a row. And did a prayer session with her every single day to pray through every single thing she had been through. And he's like, but at the end, we, you know, finally got her free, you know, da, 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 moving on. Um, but I say that to say it's important to pray through all the issues. And it's important to have them repent and renounce, renounce all the issues. Um, and so... Um, if you're interested in this, uh, Open Heaven has a prayer guide that we use uh, for different kinds of issues, like how the wording to use. It's just very helpful. Um, I think I have it pretty much memorized now. Uh, every now and then I'm like, get a, a weird one that I haven't, don't use very much, and I'll pull that out. Um, but it's just really helpful in knowing how to, especially when you're first learning, knowing how to pray through certain things. And then you there's there's certain language in these prayers that you're like, that's kind of weird, but oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just use it, right? But then you learn why it's worded that way, um, and it's important, and it's really powerful uh, as you go on the journey. And so uh, you pray with them um, to repent, to renounce, and that's when you do that, when a, someone with the Holy Spirit does that, they break that agreement with the enemy. Um, and then the enemy has to leave, right? And so it's, it's really, really powerful. And I think that, you know, this happens a lot in church on a weekly basis. When people come in carrying heavy things, right? Word curses they've said, sins they've committed, things that have been done to them. You know, when people treat you like absolute garbage and they put shame on you and you can start to feel like maybe everything is my fault and maybe I do suck. And, you, and you, you, you start to agree with those lies of the enemy and it can just weigh you down, even if you're not aware of it on a, on a conscious level. And then you come into church and we start singing praise and worship songs and the spirit of God starts moving and, and, and you start realizing, wait a second, those people are... Total, totally wrong, you know, and, and, and who cares? It's what God thinks about me. 
And next thing you know, you're weeping and the Lord is setting you free from all of that oppression on your life. And so I think this happens all the time in church. I think it happens all the time when we just pray for people. I think some of you have helped set free other people in your life when you just feel really compelled and you're like, let me just pray for you. And they've already confessed to you. They've already told you stuff and you start praying and man, agreements get broken and and the enemy flees through your prayer. And so... What I've described to you is a very formal process, but man, I think the Lord's always doing it. It's happening all the time in our churches and as we pray for one another, and it's so, so, so important. Um, But when you learn about spiritual warfare and you hear people, talk about certain things, you just light up and you go, you need prayer and I can help you. I know what to do. And, it, and you know, if, I, if we prayed and you were willing and you, you, went, you were willing to trust me and go through this process, you'd be totally free of that. And um, I went to Kenya a few weeks ago. Well, it's been like a month or so ago now. And um, I was going on a missions trip. And it was more about church planning and like just like evangelism almost, church planning stuff. And it was a pastor's trip, a bunch of like, I think 11, 12 pastors from all over the country, different kinds of churches went on this trip. And um, I'm in the airport, and I meet, like, two of the other pastors. And, man, this is just my life now. But I'm five minutes into meeting this other pastor, and uh, he's telling me some of his war stories from his church, you know. And I'm, like, I'm thinking about our church and some things I've been through, and I'm, you know, just resonating with someone, and I start to think, oh, I'm going to tell him some struggles I've been through lately, you know, and then I'm, and then I'm like, have this check in my spirit, I'm like, I just met this guy, like, I'm not going to like start, you know, me too, brother, you know, and like, like, no, I'm not going to, and we're like standing in line to get on the plane, you know, once they call your zone or whatever, you're standing there, why do we do that, I always sit there until everybody's gone, and then I get up and go, why did we fight to be first, like, it's not saving any, anyways, I'm just venting now, but we're just standing in line. He tells me this, and I think, oh, I should. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. And the Holy Spirit goes, tell him. Very clear, tell him. And I was like, oh, here we go. The Lord always asking me to do stuff I'm uncomfortable with. And I go, um, me too, man. <laughs> I throw him, you know, I've been through this. Our church is going through this. Yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me, and he tells me the following. He goes, you know, when I was in high school, when I was 18 years old, I was in our youth group. My dad was our youth pastor. And my dad cheated on my mom with a girl in our youth group. And he said, then he, they ended up, he left our family with that young lady. And they're still married to this day. But this guy's, by the way, this guy's in his late 60s. He's telling me this. And he's tearing up as he's telling me. And, you know, I'm just, I'm like, okay. And he goes, to this day, whenever someone leaves our church, it's like I relive that experience of my dad leaving our family. And he tears up and he's like crying. And I'm sitting there staring at him going, that's a stronghold. You need prayer and I could help you. But I just met you and I'm a lot younger than you. So you're probably... Not going to want to do that with me in particular. Because the Bible says don't let people look down on you because you're young. By the way, I don't think I'm that young. But people do tend 
to look down on you. And we just tend to look, be willing to trust people who are older than us. And so I'm just, I go, wow, man, that's really, that's really hard. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to offer prayer right now, you know. And so I just empathized with him, you know. And I, you know, prayed for him in my own heart. But that was that. We get on the trip. We're two to three days in. And we're sitting at lunch one day. And another pastor I was connecting with starts talking about his church and ministries they have. And they basically do everything we do with deliverance and inner healing. But they call it prayer counseling. And he goes, we have a prayer counseling ministry. I'm like, what's that? And he starts telling me. I'm like, that's deliverance and inner healing. So I, we start talking. Well, we, we both light up like Christmas trees. And we talk for about 20 minutes over lunch. And we kind of were telling stories of like, oh, man, people getting set free in all these ways. It was really invigorating. And winding down. And I realized we totally kind of tunnel visioned on this guy. And we're just excited. And I look around and realize all the everyone else on this trip is listening to us tell stories about powerful encounters with the Lord in deliverance and inner healing. And um, sitting right next to him is that guy from the airport. And he's looking at me. And he looks at the other guy and he goes, you know, when I was 18 years old. And he tells the same story. And the guy sitting across from me listens to it, and he looks at me, and I just nod. And he goes, well, you know, (laughs) when we get back tonight, (laughs) we could pray for you. And, uh, you know, I really think we could pray for you in the way that we've been talking about. And I really think the Lord would really help set you free from that. And he goes, I would like that. So we said, okay. So we went about the day. We got back. We did dinner. I totally forgot about that, you know. And it's late at night. I mean, it's like 8.30-ish, and we're getting ready to head off to our rooms. And, and he walks up, and he says, hey, Aaron, are we going to do that prayer session? I said, oh, yeah, let's do it. So me and this other guy met with him. And then there was another pastor who said, you know, I don't know anything about what you guys are talking about, but I'm a Baptocostal, and I know the power of prayer. Can I come and sit in on this? And we were like, sure, man. And so he came in. He sat in on it. And uh, I kind of explained my little elevator pitch. Here's what, you know, you've kind of already told us the thing. And if, if I was working with you, here's how we would pray through that. But, you know, this other guy had an inner healing model, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, and I said, you know, I really feel like he's supposed to lead this. Why don't you start off? You do your thing. You just lead through it how you would lead through it. And when you're done, I'll finish up the way that I would lead through it. And everybody's like, cool, sounds good. So we did that. And it was the first guy used the strategy that I'm going to talk about next week, and it was phenomenal. It was awesome. And by the time he gets done, this, this other guy's crying, the guy we're praying for, and he's really having a powerful experience. I said, well, my part's going to be real simple. In the name of Jesus, I renounce, you know, like, dit, 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 prayed for like five minutes. He's, he's getting free, and it's obvious. Then we all pray for him, just blessing impartations, really awesome. We get done, and we're standing up. We're hugging it out. We're all just going to go to bed. He's like, I feel so much better. I feel so much lighter. And one of the guys goes, you know, how, how do you feel? You know, how are you feeling right now? And he goes, I haven't felt this free in 47 years, which is how long it had been since that had happened. <laughs> the next day at we're just dinner. We're just walking around at lunch. 
And the other guys that were in, they're like, have you seen so-and-so today? He just looks totally different. He looks like he's lost 50 pounds. I mean, he's just, he's just bright. And ha- I was like, I know, it's awesome. Somebody else asked him that day, how are you feeling? He goes, you know how the Bible says we're new creations? He goes, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm a new creation. We're just like, that's awesome. We were doing baptisms in the Indian Ocean. He goes, you know how we're doing baptisms? We're baptizing other people? He's like, I feel like I want to get baptized again. I was like, this is awesome. And he ended up not doing it on the trip, but it was awesome. And that is the power of this very, carrying these burdens. He's been oppressed, but the enemy used that. That was trauma that happened. That was pain. And for 47 years, the enemy's been in there just digging, twisting that knife. Oh, this person leaves your church. Yeah, it's like what your dad did, isn't it? Just over and over and over and over again. And through a simple 30-minute prayer session, totally set free. That's power. That's powerful. Because everything we're talking about is true. Demons are real. (laughs) They hate us. They're oppressing our lives. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I've given you power and authority to overcome all the power of the enemy, to trample on snakes and scorpions. And by the way, when you do it, nothing will harm you. You have a sovereign protection. And so this is a ministry. God's equipping us, church. He's equipping us. And I pray, and I'm going to end with this prayer tonight. So let me not just say it and then pray it. I'll just pray it. (laughs) I'm going to pray that from now on, as you're hearing your friends and family talk, that the Holy Spirit starts sending up little flags for you when it's an issue they need to pray through. When it's a stronghold in their life, when it's a limiting belief, when it's a word curse, when it's a traumatic experience that's allowing the enemy to oppress their lives. I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would give us revelation. You would give us discerning of spirits. When people say certain things to go, oh, nope, that's not just how you are. That's actually a lie you're believing, and that's why you, the way, you're the way you are. And we don't have to say that. There's gracious ways the Lord will lead us to share that if he does, to bring them freedom. But, Lord, I just pray you would begin to give us that awareness as a church body, as a church family, that, you know, sometimes my own wife, when I'm saying, well, you know, this is kind of how things are, she's like, that's a word curse. That's not how things are. And I'm like, wow, you're right. And my own wife can check me on it. I pray we, even as a church family, would begin to check one another and just go, actually, I don't think that's true, what you're saying right there. And I think, I think the Lord wants to bring you freedom, and he wants to bring faith into that area of your life. And so, Lord, I just pray for that awareness tonight. And I pray that you would give us power and wisdom to be able to pray for people, to be able to know the power of repenting and the power of renouncing that man people who've struggled with depression for years anxiety problems for years some of these people just through simply renouncing some wrong beliefs they've had or some word curses or some traumatic experiences can find total and complete freedom from these things it really is that simple because there's just some part of their life or some part of their soul or or their their minds that that's not fully submitted to God 
there's some traumatic experience that they have not allowed Jesus to heal because they've been holding on to it. And I just pray that you would set us all free from all of these things. And so I just thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray that it's like your word says about the nation of Israel, how like one soldier could make, you know, a thousand flee or whatever when they're, when they're with the Lord. And when they're not with the Lord, the, you know, one enemy can make a thousand of them flee. But I just pray that for our church family, free people, like the average believer in our church is a dangerous believer to the enemy. Like when people walk in free people church and they just, they're talking in the lobby. No, 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 no. Let's back up. When they get out of their cars and the parking guy goes, how you doing? And they go, not so good. Ball, had this huge fight and I'm, you know, dealing with this in my life and I'm depressed and all this, that the parking guys can be like, oh, well, how about I pray for you right now? You know, just repeat after me in the name of Jesus. And they know how to pray with people. And they, I pray for people getting free in the parking lot. I pray for people getting free in the lobby. I pray for people getting free in, in our kids' area and in our youth uh, meetings. Through, not through the pastors, through the average believers, the regular congregation members, God, because they've been trained and equipped and they know how to pray. And like, oh, I, I know what to do. I can pray for you on that. And God's going to set you free. God's going to bring healing to that area of your life. And I just pray for that, Lord. People just bump into someone in our lobby. And next thing they know, they're in a prayer session. <laughs> and they're getting set free. And I just thank you for that. That's happening week, and week, week after week in our church family. But I just pray, Lord, that you would get this deep down in our hearts I felt like the Lord was saying leading into this prayer or into this series that our hands would freeze to the sword. There's a story in the Old Testament of one of the, uh, I think it's David's, one of David's mighty men who killed, you know, so many enemy soldiers, but his hand froze to the sword because if you've ever like gripped onto something really hard for a really long time and then you try to let go and it's like your hand won't even open. And... (sighs) The Lord wants us so trained and equipped in spiritual warfare. How many of you know the sword of the Spirit is our weapon? And he wants us so trained and equipped that it becomes part of who we are, that it's written on our hearts, that our hands are frozen to the sword of the Word of God. And as we go around about our lives, we can't help but set people free. And that sword just comes out of our mouths without us even thinking about it because it's so ingrained in us. And so, Lord, I just pray that your sword would be frozen to our hands. It would be instilled in our hearts that it just comes out of our mouths and our daily talking, our daily language, that we would not use careless words, but that we would speak your words with conviction day after day. And, Lord, I know, as your word says, as you've shown me, the only way that's going to happen is if we use it, if we use it. We, are, we discern with use, that by using the word, we discern. That by using the word, we learn these things. And so I pray for opportunities for people to practice on themselves, on their spouses, on their families, that parents would be training their kids in this type of prayer model because it's powerful that our kids would know how to do spiritual warfare and set people free. I ask for that in Jesus' mighty name.
And so I even asked this week for opportunities. And here's, here's the deal, church. Some of your friends who do not go to this church will be confessing to you in the week to come. And as they're telling you things, you're going to go, oh, I know what that is. Oh, you need to pray through that. And then you're going to have an opportunity to very gently, kindly, graciously explain to them, hey, do you mind if we pray through that? Because I've been learning about spiritual warfare. I've been learning about how to pray with people. I really think if we pray through this a certain way, the Lord could really set you free from that. Would you want to do that right now? And so I just really believe that there's many of you, many of you are going to have opportunities this week to begin practicing on your own families and your friends and yourselves. And so let's just close tonight and do that right now. And I just feel led to lead you to repent and renounce of some to repent and renounce something in your life that you need to repent and renounce. Um, and so, if you're like a super Christian, or maybe you just had a good week and you literally can't think of anything, that's okay. Um, but for us common folk, um, <laughs> there's probably something you could think of, and maybe it's something you've already maybe repented of the Lord to, um, and asked His forgiveness for. But I would just encourage you to pray through it in this way and to renounce it in Jesus name. If you're, I feel like the Lord really highlighted word curses a lot tonight. Um, and that's very common again, when, when you're going through a hard situation in life to agree with the enemy's perspective, um, and to word curse yourself or your situation and to speak hopelessness or despair over it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have word cursed yourself, your situation, maybe your marriage, maybe one of your kids, and think of it this way, any super negative word that you've spoken that is just not of God. And I just, Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to bring up things people might need to pray through right now in Jesus' name. So it could be a worker's, or maybe it's a belief you've had that's just not true. Like God spoke a dream of your life, and you're like, that's never going to happen now. That's never going to happen. And that's a, if you've said that out loud, it could be a word curse, but it's a, it's a limiting belief. It's a stronghold. Maybe so-and-so is too far gone, you know. It's too late. For a certain person in your life to know Jesus, that's just not true. It is not true. If someone still has breath in their lungs, our God can convict them. Our God can change them. Our God can save them. And so get that thing in your mind, and here's how we're going to pray through it. I'm going to lead you to renounce, in the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings on my life as a result of the word curse that I spoke when I said, and it could fill in the blank, you can, I would encourage you to say it out loud, but you can say it under your breath so your neighbor doesn't judge you. <laughs> and then we'll take back all authority, make it null and void by the blood of Jesus, and command any demonic spirit that's been operating through it to leave in Jesus' name. And that's it. And so... So let's do that right now. So get that in your mind and just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings on my life as a result of the word curse 
that I spoke when I said, fill in the blank, I take back all authority that I ever submitted to this word curse, and I make it null and void by the blood of Jesus. If you grew up hearing a word curse, or maybe someone spoke a word curse over you, you're stupid, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. Um, Nobody's ever going to hire you. Nobody's ever going to hire you because of that in your life. You're never going to find a spouse. You're never going to find a person that will marry you. These are types, these are word curses. Maybe ones that have been said to you. So let's renounce those. If you think of a word curse that's been said to you. And by the way, if friends or family have betrayed you or spoken against you, if it has negatively affected you emotionally, if in their word curses, they're saying maybe persecuting you for your faith or whatever. If it's, if you feel bad about it, right? then that's affecting you. So we're going to pray through that. So let's renounce word curses spoken against you. So say this after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings on my life as a result of the word curse that fill in the blank of the person that so-and-so said when they said. I take back all authority I ever submitted to this word curse and I make it null and void by the blood of Jesus. If someone spoke this curse against you, let's pray to forgive them right now. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings of anger, bitterness, hatred, or resentment that I've ever held against fill in the blank, so-and-so, for saying what they said to me, for saying this word curse over me. I take back all authority I ever submitted to hatred towards them. And today I make a choice to forgive and say their name. I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them. I bless them and I release them now once and for all. I also felt like the Lord was telling me we should pray through abuse, some type of abuse situation. So if you have any physical abuse, sexual abuse in your past, could be through parents or a spouse or whatever, um, I want to lead you to pray through that. feel like the Lord's highlighting violent, violent abuse, like, um, beating or, you know, your dad or whoever it was might've thought it was discipline, but it was very, very excessive, um, excessive, uh, violent abuse, or maybe it was a spouse that hit you or beat you or whatever. Um, so if you're willing to just pray through that, and again, you can say this under your breath,
In the name of Jesus, just repeat after me, in the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings of any rejection, self-rejection, abuse, trauma, or pain that came into my life when I was abused by and fill in their name. I take back all authority that I ever submitted. to this rejection, self-rejection, abuse, trauma, or pain. Also in the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings of any hatred, anger, bitterness, or resentment that I've ever had against and say the person's name. I take back all authority that I ever submitted to hatred towards this person, fill in their name. And today I make a choice to forgive, fill in their name. I forgive them, say their name, I forgive. I bless them. I release them now once and for all. And so these issues are finished in my life once and for all no longer having any effect on me. I want to lead you through one more, which is sexual abuse. So if it, if it was sexual abuse or molestation, just repeat after me, in the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings on my life, on my soul, on my body. <sighs> of any sexual abuse, sexual morality, lust or perversion that came into my life when fill in the blank with their name, so-and-so sexually abused me or molested me. I take back all authority that I ever submitted to this sexual abuse to lust, sexual morality, or perversion, or any trauma related to this incident. Also in the name of Jesus, I renounce all bindings of anger, bitter, bitterness, hatred, or resentment towards, say the person's name, And I take back all authority I ever submitted to this anger, bitterness, or hatred towards them. And today I make a choice to forgive, say their name. Say it again. I forgive, say their name. I bless them and I release them now once and for all. And these issues are finished in my life. All right, I'm going to pray for you now. So God, right now in the name of Jesus, I break any bindings, any of these bindings of any word curses anyone's ever spoken in this room or, or, or word curses that have been spoken to them. 
And I command, I make them null and void by the blood of Jesus. And I command any demonic spirit that's been afflicting any of these people through these word curses to leave now in Jesus' name and forbid them to return. And I pray your protection and your blood over them, Jesus. And I thank you for that. God, I renounce any bindings of any anger, bitterness, hatred, resentment. I break them and I command any spirits of anger, bitterness, hatred, or resentment to leave now in Jesus' name. I break any bindings of rejection, self-rejection, abuse, violent abuse, sexual abuse, trauma, and pain. And I command any spirits operating through these things that are not of God to leave now in Jesus' name, any warfare to lift now in Jesus' name. And uh, Lord, I just pray uh, that you would come right now and administer your healing to your people, that you would heal these broken places in them, that you would speak your life and your encouragement and your love into these people who've suffered in these ways. Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill them, that you would renew their minds with you and your word, that you would bind their hearts and minds to you, Spirit, and your word. And uh, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your healing tonight. Thank you for your love. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for freedom in this place. Thank you for deeper healing. And um, we love you, Lord. We thank you that you've, you've given us power over the enemy and you've given us prayer. Very simple tool. Uh, using the authority and power of the words that you've given us um, to come into agreement with your spirit and your word. And every time we do, we find freedom and healing because you're that good. You're always good. And uh, when we agree with you, we find grace and we find healing and we find freedom. And so I just bless these people tonight. I bless those who've been vulnerable, who've prayed through some things. I bless them with healing in Jesus' name. I bless them with freedom. I bless them with love and joy and hope and peace and faith. And just pray you would fill them tonight as they leave this place. And uh, we thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we could become what Terry Wardle calls wounded healers. Those who've had wounds, those who've carried burdens, those who've had oppressions, those who've had strongholds, we get set free, we get healed, and then we can go out and we can help bring healing to other people. We can help bring freedom. We are the captives who get set free, and then we go out and become those who set captives free. And I just thank you for that tonight. And I thank you for this teaching and this training and this equipping. And we love you, Lord. We love you. And I thank you that People are going to be getting set free all over this community because your people are being trained and equipped. And it's going to be happening in schools and in hallways and in living rooms and, uh, and at restaurants across dinner tables. People are going to be getting set free because your people have been trained and equipped. And it's like, you know what, you, how about we pray through that tonight? And uh, before I leave, can we just pray through that real quick? And uh, it's not that hard, God. And you come and you do powerful things. And so I just thank you for that. It's not hard for you. It's not hard for you. It's easy. And so when we have enough faith to step out and say, hey, let's pray through that. I think the Lord could really, could really help you in some powerful ways uh, that you're going to do it. So I thank you that you back us up when we step out in faith. And uh, we love you, God. We thank you for this, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.